0: They they don't pay attention to their existing clients. If they paid attention to the existing clients the same way, with the same effort and interest that they do to get a new client, they would get a lot more business from existing clients and the firm would grow and the existing clients would do all the recommending and referrals to that.
1: Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I am your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, episode number four. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, and thank you very much for listening today. I'm very excited about today's guest, Mr. Edward Mendelowitz, who's a partner in the accounting firm of Witham Smith & Brown. We will touch on many topics, but after listening to Ed, you will gain some insight into the power of networking. Before I begin, let's take care of some quick housekeeping items. I hope you will enjoy this podcast and be so moved to write a review on iTunes. Your support is greatly appreciated. Also, if you've not signed up for the Yes! End Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the Yes And Challenge, and click to register to begin this journey of transformation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag Challenge or on the Accidental Accountant's Facebook page. Each week, I will share with you an article or a video that relates to the principles of improvisation. This week's article comes from Forbes titled, Why Improv Training is Great Business Training by Jesse Sento. Jesse writes, what you need to do in improv is listen closely to every word a scene partner is saying. Everything's moving so fast, you may have missed the most important thing. The audience may have heard it, and if you missed it, you haven't really driven the scene forward. You don't know what to react to. The boom comes in a client meeting. When you're in a meeting with a client, you need not only hear, but deeply listen to everything. Oh, Jesse, you hit the nail right on the head because listening to understand is critical in client meetings. Well, let's get back to Ed. This is actually the first time we're officially meeting. I was introduced to his firm, Witham Smith & Brown, through a YouTube video in 2013 titled Witham Accounting Flash Mob. First, accounting and flash mob in the same sentence is extremely rare, and that got my attention. After I watched this upbeat music video about the firm, I became intrigued and wanted to get to know them better. A few weeks later, I was reading Accounting Today and noticed that a partner at Witham Smith & Brown wrote a monthly column, and it was Ed. So I found Ed on LinkedIn, and he accepted my invitation. I followed him and read his articles on Accounting Today and CPA trendlines. After I published my book, I decided to send him a copy of it. Ed sent me a thank you and said that he would read it. Well, he actually took it one step further and wrote a wonderful review of my book. I was blown away that he would take the time to write that review. It was amazing. You'll hear in this interview why he decided to read my book, which goes to the power of networking. Naturally, I wanted him to be a guest on my new podcast, and he was very grateful and accepted my invitation. Now, Ed's a partner in the firm's New Brunswick, New Jersey office and has over 40 years of public accounting experience. He's a licensed CPA in the states of New Jersey and New York and is accredited by the AICPA in business valuation and as a personal financial specialist. It is also admitted to practice before the United States Court, that's the United States Tax Court, and has testified as an expert witness in federal and state court cases regarding business valuations. He's a member of the AICPA, the New Jersey Society of CPAs, and the New York Society of CPAs. He's an author of 16 books and has written hundreds of articles for business and professional journals and newsletters. For 11 years, he taught courses on financial analysis, corporate financial policy and theory, monetary and fiscal policy, and managerial accounting in the MBA program at Fairleigh Dickinson University. And now to the interview with Mr. Ed Mendelwitz. I'm so excited today. Uh, I have an opportunity to speak with Ed Mendelowitz, of partner with Witham Smith and Brown. As you heard in the intro, uh, how we met. And actually, this is the first conversation we are having, uh, since connecting many years ago on LinkedIn. And first and foremost, Ed, thank you for taking time and thank you for, uh, participating in this podcast. I, I know that you will bring a lot of wisdom nuggets and, and wealth of knowledge that my audience will be able to use. So, one, thank you. I greatly appreciate appreciate you, and welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Peter. Nice to be here.
1: Thank you very much, and nice to have you here. And why don't we start off by you just giving telling the audience uh, a little bit about yourself? You one of my favorite subjects.
0: <laughs> uh, basically, I think I am the last of the expert generalists. Uh, right now, everybody uh, specializes. Everything is in specializations, niche, niches, leadership in, in different specific fields. I started out a long time ago, and um, I figured out that the only way I could grow and build a small practice was if I never turned down business. So whatever came my way, I said I would do. And I literally have done, I don't, can't say I did everything that accounts do, but I think I've done as much of what accounts do as anybody. I, I certainly am a uh, noted tax expert. I've testified at, at Congress. I've written quite a few books on taxes. I've been a team captain doing peer reviews of CPA firms. I got every accreditation that the AICPA gives out take about 140 CPE credits a year. People complain about taking CPE. I love taking CPE because uh, I meet great people, I learn new things, and um, expands my, my knowledge. Um, I do business valuations, forensic work. Um, I've audited, I had a small firm. We, um, uh, we did the, the lowest level work CPAs could do, which I would say is QuickBooks Consulting. And we did the highest level that CPA do, which is public companies. And we were part of the SEC practice section at that time. And um, so so my range is great. It's wide. I've been very good at training people. So once I developed an expertise, I, I would have one of my staff people become an expert in that area. And then I would stop doing it. And then I'd go on to the next thing. So I had a very interesting career. I still do. I, I enjoy myself. I like everything I do. I, Monday is the best day of the week because I look forward to five days, five full days of work. Friday is a downer because I have to stop working for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I got to tell you, we merged in with, with Smith & Brown at, you know, 11 years ago, and there was 14 people in my firm. It was three partners, me and two other partners. We had 11 staff. Every one of the 11 staff, we hired and trained. Nobody came to us ex- with any experience in what they were doing. This includes the accountants, the bookkeeper, the, 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 the administrative person, and our marketing person. So I, I've been become very good at training and I'm very successful. One of the reasons I've been very successful is I can get people to do my work. And, and they get them to do it my way. <laughs> so... I would say that's and I've been an entrepreneur in accounting. I started a practice in New York with one other guy. Fourteen years later, we had the third partner. We had fifty people
1: working wow. for us.
0: I left it, from the smaller firm, which is what I merged in with uh, Witham eleven years ago. So that's that's the short version of my background.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's an exciting background, and you are a partner with Witham Smith and Brown. My first introduction to your firm. Was through YouTube, with the uh, with the videos that you guys do, uh, State of the Firm, and I will have to say, my my jaw dropped the first time I saw it. Uh, it, it very progressive, very out of the box, non traditional from an accounting perspective, and I do believe I spotted you in State of the Firm two thousand fourteen. It was that you were part of that uh, uh, video shoot. Is that true?
0: I, I was in. Well,
1: all the video, yes, I was in all the video except I was not
0: in the last one because the last before that I was there. I didn't take a prominent role. I was there, but you couldn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, uh, I figured that my time has come, <laughs> you know, not to be in it. But I think two hundred and fifty people were in it, and uh, it's an amazing thing. Sarah Sorelli is uh, does runs our social media. She actually. It posts my blogs. So so whatever I write, I sent to her and she posts it and gets it out there and tweets it and, and all this other social media stuff. But I'll tell you, the videos, one of the things that came out of the video, which I think may have been an unintended consequence, it's become a tremendous vehicle of recruiting younger people. Oh, by far. We, we did it to introduce our firm, to excite our staff, to, to try to establish a brand and get clients. And it's become unbelievably valuable in attracting staff. People call us, uh, good people, and uh, we hire. We hire a lot of people. My office alone, I'm in the New Brunswick office. We hire about at least seven or eight people every year out of school. And and then we have about a dozen interns throughout the year at various times working in our office. And, And we used to recruit to get them, and now a lot of the people call us
1: so this thing is great my impression of it when i first came upon it was it was there for a recruiting tool that's what i thought and and and, in all honesty the first time i saw the video after i picked my job off because it was just outstanding it was so different it was so fresh it it was but it had that it had that feel that you're trying to attract those students coming out of school those the, the, the younger um, Gen Wise uh, group. I think I was, so. I was fifty three at the time when I saw it, and I went, "Am I too old to go back to work in public accounting?" Because that excited me. I mean, there was there was just so much excitement in that video that it just really resonated with me. That it almost it, to me, I, I interpret it as this is the, the way the, the profession is changing in a way. Versus, it wasn't the old hardwood type of look to it. It was very and for those of you in the audience go out to YouTube and and or and Google with them Smith and Brown or go directly to their website and you can you can see these videos and from from an, a 100 a person partner firm. Uh it's pretty impressive. Oh well, thank you. Um I think the the original I wasn't in
0: on the planning but we have a stated firm Uh, Meeting every year, every beginning of January, every year, and everybody comes. In fact, this January we had just merged in a uh, Florida firm with 110 people, and and over 100 people flew in from Florida to attend our state of the firm meeting in January. Uh, So we got to meet a lot of the uh, lot of our new partners and and staff, Uh, but I think. The, the main emphasis was to excite our staff. You know, you know, we, we hire people and um, we, we wine and dine to get people to work for us, and then sometimes we don't treat them good. And <laughs> um, it's the same thing with clients. With a lot, of, a lot of accounting firms, uh, they go out of their way. They'll do anything to get a new client. They'll, they'll, they'll leave a meeting. They'll, 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 go, they'll leave their, their kids softball game. If they had a meeting with a new client, they would do that. But they, they don't pay attention to their existing clients. If they paid attention to the existing clients the same way, with the same effort and interest that they do to get a new client, they would get a lot more business from existing clients, and the firm would grow, and the existing clients would do all the recommending and referrals to them. So, what our firm did is, and we, we continuously do it because we have a lot of in-house programs that are really great. We have a shadow stock program where, where staff could actually own, own like phantom stock in, in with them and, and share in the growth of it. Uh, so I think that we wanted to excite our staff. And, and I guess exciting staff is exciting young people. And then it, it leads to recruiting. But it's been tremendous. I'm, in the first video, you could see me dancing on a table.
1: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to pull that up after, after we're done. <laughs> I forgot what I was wearing, but you could see me. <laughs> that, that's, that's great because <clears throat> what I'm hearing you talk about is we have to take care of our people. And people are two, there are two types of people our staff and our clients. I say I say this in a lot of the presentations I do, especially at conferences when I have a a crowd there. I'll ask the crowd, what business are they in? And I'll hear consulting, i hear tax service, I hear auditing, I hear this, that. And I go, no, that's a byproduct of what you do. That's a byproduct of your business. And then I get them a little uncomfortable. Then I go, it's real simple, people. You're in the people business. Without people, you have no business. And it's amazing that the looks that I get to some degree, the aha moments. And I think we, we need to take a look at our people. Uh, and like you said, sometimes we don't treat them well. Sometimes we don't treat our clients well. Well, then that's due to causes high turnover that causes clients to leave and maybe a little bit more, uh, uh, paying attention to the, the needs and wants of our clients. Uh, as your firm is, is demonstrating will, will help with, with growth.
0: Well, let me tell you something about our firm. I'm I'm very interested in the profession. uh, And, of course, I've been very involved in the profession a long time. When when people leave our firm, and and some people leave because they're not happy here, almost every single person that moves gets a job in another CPA firm. And, And I would say much more than half of the people who leave our firm get jobs in other CPA firms. The, take the Big Four, for example. Mm-hmm. The, the Big Four hire 70% of the accounting majors when they graduate college. Okay. In three years, 90% of those people leave the profession. They don't leave the, the Big Four firm to go to another Big Four firm or to go to a firm like us. They, a couple do, but they basically leave the profession. The people who work for our firm stay in the profession. And I think that says a lot about the firm. And I think there's a lot of firms our size in the area that, of course, I, I know, you know, in our immediate area, and I know across the country, firms our size, the people seem to get jobs with other CPA firms and stay in the profession. While the big, the real big firms, they don't. And of course, the very small firms, um, some do and some don't, but, uh, you know, I can't tell you what my experience was when people left me, because when I had my practices, nobody quit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot to be I said. Up. a
0: couple people moved, and they, they took jobs at other CPA firms, but nobody quit when they worked for me. Uh, and I wasn't the nicest guy in the world, to be honest with you, but nobody quit. Because uh, they were learning every minute of the time. They were excited. They liked the clients they worked on. They liked the people they worked with. And I was just a necessary evil. You don't have to like your parent to, to, to have a nice house.
1: <laughs> that, that's very well said. And when we talk, that's, that's just respect. You know, I, I, I talk a lot about that. And I talk about that in, in my book, that you don't have to like the person. But you have to have respect for the person in order to keep things moving forward. Once we lose respect, things begin to fall apart uh, within business transactions, within staff, within everything. So as long as I might not like the person, but as long as I've got some respect and I show them that respect, things will continue to grow. People will not leave. Uh, uh, We will continue to retain those individuals because it is all about the people. That's right. And uh, you, you made a comment. Early in the conversation, I want to circle back to about your love of CPE, of continuing education. You get 140, was it 140, 110,
0: 140? Something like that. I get a lot. Definitely, certainly over 100 credits a year. I
1: I, I need to keep up my certifications. (laughs) Well, true. But, But you made a comment about one of the things you liked about going to CPE courses were the people that you meet. And yes. I do over uh, close to 70 programs a year. And one of the first things I start my class off with is, does everybody in the room know each other? And it's usually no. I said, well, I hope you brought your business card because this is one of the best place to network is in a CP event. And I get some people looking at me like I'm crazy. And others will take me up on it and, and we'll meet somebody new or whatever. But I, I think that's one of the best places to network is within CP because we have to take it.
0: Well, I, uh, I have met people from all over the world. I regularly correspond, and I've gotten referrals from somebody I met from Australia at a, CP, at a CPE conference. I, I have this thing called the Partners Network, and I'm not pushing it. Uh, it's merely more people who are local, but I, I send out a lot of materials. I send out uh, 50, 55 free checklists beginning of every tax season. I have a Q&A that I, I post. Uh, I, I answer people's questions. They have practice management questions, but most of my referrals come from CPAs and, and we've built our practice. I built my former practice with referrals from CPAs. When I did the peer reviews. Uh, that was the way of meeting CPAs and I became their expert in certain areas and things they couldn't do. They would, um, they would refer to me, but I really. Meet people all over the world, all over the world, all over the country. When I go to CPE programs, uh, there are certain people that I see once a year at these programs. Mm-hmm. We go out to dinner, we hang out. Uh, and I would say that I, I never really meet less than 40 or 50 people. Wow. I mean meet them. I, I don't just say hello and grab the business card, because you're there for three days. I'm at an AICPA uh, personal financial planning conference or business valuation conference. I'm spending three days. With people. And um, I also find, you know, if I'm with a crowd of people, uh, if I met some people that are there alone, I invite them to join us. Actually, this past um, November, I was at, at an, we were in Vegas at an AICBA conference, and uh, we met some, I was with some of my partners and staff. And we met somebody from Nashville. She was there alone, so we invited her to dinner with us. Well, it turns out that this conference this year is going to be in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> so we now have a friend in Nashville that we will meet. You know, that we'll spend some time with. But accounts are nice people. We're very cooperative. We we uh, we respect each other. We call each other. We have questions. Uh, Sometimes I get a referral for somebody in in Texas, or you know Houston or something. And I look at my list to see who I know, and I can give a couple of names to people. And, and I get you know it's a way of helping them and helping the the uh, person that, that needs the referral. The, the bottom line is, oh yeah, people take these virtual courses, and I've taken some. And I sit in I sit in my office, I sit on my desk. Sometimes I'm sitting in my in my underwear at home. <laughs> You know, you know taking a CPE course, but you miss that personal contact. I was at a course uh, uh, Friday. I was at an all-day CPE program Friday on sustainability. I actually was one of the speakers, but they had like fifteen speakers. And then, uh, in in the course of that program, I I certainly spoke to like thirty or forty people. I had lunch with one of the. Uh, Young lady, a young lady who is who is writing an article on it for for a national magazine. So now I met a reporter, and and she followed up already, and I'll keep in touch with her, and I it could lead to me getting quoted in some other um, publications. So it, it's these things that the pert- nothing beats the touchy feely, and I think that in servicing clients, we don't, don't understand that, that either. We we think that. Um, uh, we, we, we do the tax return great. We, we get the tax return done on time. Uh, we send the staff person occasionally. We think that's developing a relationship. It's not. It's when the partner picks up the phone and calls the client. You, you don't send an email and say how are you. Although I do send emails on people's birthdays because I found I figured out that a lot of times I don't want to talk to people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but. You do send. I, I send articles to people. Uh, you try to maintain a personal touch. If I'm in an area where I have a client, where I'm, I'm meeting somebody, and I have another client in that area, I just pop in. If they're there, I say hello to them for ten minutes. If they're not there, I say, well, just tell tell John I was here. I was in the neighborhood. And I want to create availability. You, you know, clients don't care. I think I'm great, but clients don't care. If I'm great, they don't know if I'm great. They think I'm great. But what they really like is that I'm available. I return their phone calls. I, I, if there's a problem, I'm, I'm in their face with it. And I precipitate phone calls. I call them with, uh, with questions, with suggestions. And you don't, have to, you don't have to do it more than four or five times a year. And they think you're, you're fantastic. And the way you can measure this is very simple. If you get referrals from existing clients, you're doing a good job in the relationship department. If you're not getting referrals, you may never lose the client because 25 years ago you helped them with their divorce. And they'll never leave you, but they stop referring you because you're good for them, but not they don't want to recommend you. Because they don't want to subject somebody else maybe to 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 something that they don't like about you, but they won't drop you. So it's the, the referrals you get from is this existing clients is the way that you could determine if you're doing a good job in that.
1: And I, I think of myself as a one of my strong suits is a, a networker. I, I love networking. I love building those types of relationships. However, I think, I've just met the person who has networking plus on steroids because you gave me so many good ideas. I mean, I've some things I've never thought about, like the one with the person who was by themselves and you invited them to dinner. Now you've just, you're just, oh, you're always out to making connections, building your network because referrals are the best way to grow a business. And I'm going to, I'm going to take some of the things that you've said that I haven't done in quite a long time and and, and reinstitute them uh because that that's, that was an excellent demonstration or or a way to prove the power of networking and, and what it can do what I would like to, and I have to say thank you uh once again I sent you my book blind uh we got together on LinkedIn I've been following you for quite a while through your writings and and article postings in accounting today and CPA trend lines and when I sent you the book i didn't I didn't know if you would even respond with a thank you which which you did, which I, I'm amazed how many times i I send my book out and I don't hear even a thank you from people, but you went the extra mile and I, i'm I'm still in awe of that and and actually wrote a book review of it. And I'm—I know I'm—I'm still, I'm still a little choppy in, in talking about it because it just blew me away that someone would take the time, who I've never met face to face, never had eyeballs on each other. We've just uh, somewhere through the virtual world, and would do that. But then, if I remember correctly, one of the reasons why you opened my book is because I had three letters behind my name, CPA. And then you read that we have a mutual acquaintance in there, uh, Dr. Gary John Previtz, a uh, professor at Case Western Reserve University, uh, which also helped in that connection. And um, if you could just tell my audience some of the things that you, that you found in my book that you've liked and been able to apply to your uh, daily life.
0: Well, first of all, you know, I got the book, I get a lot of books, and I always look at them. I don't always read them, but I always look at them. And, I, and you mentioned, you mentioned Gary, Gary John provides who right away, you know, by the way, a book on improv is not the highest thing on my list that I would, <laughs> I would read, to be honest with you. Yeah. But you mentioned Gary and I said, wow, this guy is legitimate because Gary a, is a, is certainly a leader and a champion of accounting history which i'm I'm a f- big fan of his, so um, I started looking at the book, and then you know what happened? I opened up a page uh, in the middle uh, I just opened up something and you were talking, talking about that that you say instead of saying yes, but you say yes and. and I happen to be a very big fan of Benjamin Franklin. He doesn't know it, but but I am <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he. When he was younger, he uh, he wrote his autobiography, which is still being published today, which says a lot about the quality of, of the book and why people should read it. But he, he developed a 13-point um, system of making himself a better person. And and one of the things that he has in his 13 points is is not saying yes, but, but in a way saying yes and just like you said so i said and i read what you wrote you know it's just a technique of of getting your point across without getting your point across helping people buy into your way of thinking and not and in a way being so so argumentative and, and and so so brish and uh i said wow this book looks good so i read it <laughs> uh, you know i i read the book and um it's a short book, so that helps. <laughs> and, and it's not really about improvisation. It's not about acting. It's about communicating. It's about h- how do you be a better communicator? And, you know, you mentioned that I'm I'm a good networker. I'm a good networker. Of course. Because I work at it. Well, thank <laughs> you. But I work at it. I, I do a lot of work. I do a lot of crazy things. And it's being, it's the personal the personal ability to communicate with people. And you don't have to be a good speaker. You don't have to have a lot of ideas. Sometimes you you, you have to be a great listener. You just get people to talk. The more more people talk to you, the smarter they think you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to over-impress people with how smart I am if I do all the talking. So this is your book. uh, and, And it's about... T- you know, taking away uh, buzzwords, speak plain, uh, ju- just say it the way it is, which I got to tell you, I write these blogs and uh, the hardest part is, is to take out all the fancy words and all the things that I think might impress people. Because the object is to communicate ideas. If, if I could write something or if I talk to people and give a speech, and people walk away with one or two things that they're going to do because of what I said, I've communicated to them. And if they walk away saying, boy, this guy Mendelitz is brilliant, I did not communicate because they're not going to change any of their actions. So, so it's not about us. It's about them. It's not about... The, the accountant and and the firm it's about the client and what's in it for them and that's what we have to do. and your book is is a it's a uh, I don't want to say textbook because it's not <laughs> it's not that scholarly thing that that people drudge reading through but but it's quick it's easy you got short paragraphs you you get right to the point you uh you get ideas that uh, people could could immediately walk away uh implementing and, and it's something that you know i I've looked at once again since i uh, since I wrote the the uh, the article before before you contacted me, mm-hmm. I looked at it again because y- y- you know you get you you, you read things and then and you put aside so you try to if I could adopt one or two things which I did. I certainly implemented that, that yes, and, uh, even though I knew it, I wasn't practicing it, I, I did it. and um, But you said something that's ingenious, and, and I say this all the time, so it am make both of us geniuses in this thing. <laughs> okay. You said that bad ideas lead to good ideas, and, and no ideas lead to nothing. That is so true. When you're in a committee, when you're in a group, if you could create an atmosphere where people could just spit out the craziest, stupidest ideas, uh, uh, you yeah. have a chance of coming up with something good. And, and if you stifle uh, people's ingenuity, you stifle their participation, you don't let them participate. And you're not going to get any ideas. And you don't get any ideas, nothing is going to happen. You, you know, you mentioned the video. Who would think that's a, the, the video offering, Who would think that's a good idea? It's a crazy idea. If I talk to you about the the iPhone, you think it's the craziest, stupid idea. We're on an iPhone right now. Ten years ago, this damn thing did not exist. <laughs> that's right. And, and I just got in the course of this uh, talking to you, I got about five calls. <laughs> it, it's like this is it. This is how how we work. How we live. You know that in in December of 1975, I got my first email account. Oh, wow. When you think about it, it I remember it was December. I went to a uh, a, a dinner meeting in May. It was hosted by Marty Edelston, who founded Bottom Line Personal and the Boardroom Empire. Uh, And there was a guy there, and he said, how many people have an email address? And it was, say, 20 people at the dinner, and I think three people raised their hand. I didn't know what he was talking about. You know, <laughs> and he said, "By the end of the year, I guarantee every one of you will be having an email address." I didn't know what he meant. And at the day after Christmas in 1995, I signed up for an AOL account. <laughs> Actually, I signed up. I did. I signed up for a Prodigy account. Oh wow! My partner, my partner Peter Weisen signed up for AOL. He did AOL. I did. And the reason I did Prodigy because at the time it was owned by H and R Block. Okay. So I, I also bought some H and R Block stock and. That didn't do well, and the prodigy's out of business. And I, but I I still have email. Uh, we're using it. We're dependent on it. Uh, now they have texting and everything. But I I like the email, and I could actually dictate email on my iPhone. I didn't have to write anything. I'd be on the golf. I was on a golf course yesterday, and I got an email. I, I happened to look at my iPhone, which was stupid. <laughs> I got an email, and I dictated a quick response. I can't talk now. I'll call you later. Yeah. <laughs> and I dictated it. So um, th- th- there are some crazy ideas that um, you know, Columbus discovering America was a crazy idea.
1: Right.
0: Uh, when you think about all these things that are going on, Donald Trump becoming the, the Republican nominee was certainly a crazy idea, and, and every bit of logic. That that we could imagine would say how he could not win, especially given the makeup of the Republican Party and the type of people who vote in the primaries. So, this is your book. Bad ideas lead to <laughs> good ideas, and and we got to have ideas. You can't right. stifle uh, th-
1: th- that th- that that re- the participation of people. Uh, well said. I I I can't agree more. We 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 need. I ask. I do a creativity course, how to dump Sally and find a a new creative way. And I have an audience of CPAs. And I ask them this question, how many in this room think they're creative? Usually maybe one or two people. And they'll go, well, let me rephrase that question. How many in this room have ideas? All hands go up. I go, then that means you're creative. Something's blocking it from getting out of your mind, onto paper, out into the form. And that's Probably two things: your inner critic telling you that's a stupid idea, don't say it, or you're in a culture that doesn't embrace that type of creativity, that might poo-poo that type of, uh, of of freedom of thought, and say, no, that's that's just a crazy idea. We we can't do that here. And right there, you've just you've just shot the whole creativity process down for that day as well as forever because you've got everybody else in the room going, well, I'm not, not going to take that type of verbal uh, uh, humiliation in front of my peers when I'm asked for an idea, but then I'm told, nope, that's a stupid idea, we can't do that, and, and just moving on. So yes, always bring out your ideas. And, and how to create a culture is, if you're the partner and you've got a group of staff and you're trying to figure out how to increase productivity or profitability, you be the one to throw out the crazy idea. You'd be the one to throw out the, you know, th- that bad idea. Just so everybody else goes, wow, that was kind of a crazy idea. Set the lead, take, take charge of it and then sit back and watch the ideas just percolate out of these individuals. And then, yes, and there's, we say innovation and I, I take innovation, and break it into two pieces, creativity and then the innovation. The innovation is taking that uh, effectively applied creativity. That's when we can bring judgment in, into it. But, um, thank you for the review. Uh, and, I would like to ask if I think you and I could probably talk for about two hours on almost any given topic as it relates to the accounting profession. And I know, I mean, you've delivered a a, a lot of wisdom and knowledge into this 30-minute podcast. I would like to ask permission to contact you again in the near future and and conduct another interview with you on a whole different topic uh, and and just let that interview grow. I mean, I, I didn't think we would we would end up having such a, a wonderful conversation not networking when we started this. I would love to get into another conversation with you and just let it just kind of organically grow and be pushed in a direction that I don't think any of us are planning on.
0: Sure, this was fun. I enjoyed talking to you and with you. And, uh, I'm, I'm ready anytime.
1: <laughs> That's great. Well, once again, thank you, Ed. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time uh, and, and I appreciate... Everything that you've done for me and I appreciate everything you're doing for my audience in helping them do um, maybe change some bad habits and create some new good habits. So thank you very much. And I will be in touch because I I do want to have another uh, conversation with you. So thank you again, Ed.
0: Thank you, Peter. Take care.
1: All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Wow. What did I tell you about Ed's interview? There were so many little nuggets of knowledge in there that you probably have to listen to this three or four times just to gather them all up. Or better yet, all you have to do is go to my website, petermargaritas.com, click on the microphone, which will take you to all of my podcasts, where you'll find the show notes and be able to download a transcript of episode one. You remember when Ed and I were talking about the Witham, Smith & Brown YouTube videos and he mentioned that he was in the very first one and was dancing on top of a table? Well, he really was. Go to YouTube and search Witham, Got a Feeling, and at about the three-minute mark, you'll see Ed on the top of, and at the three-minute mark, you will see Ed on top of the second table on the right. He's the one wearing a white shirt and sport coat and waving money. As you were listening to Ed, I hope you heard the little bits of improvisation that he employs in creating connections, respect, focus, listening to understand, adapting, and, of course, in different ways, he uses the yes and philosophy. Ed attributed yes and to Benjamin Franklin, which was really new to me, so I'll put up a link on the show notes, which was really new to me. In addition, we'll put a link on the show notes to Ed's review of my book. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and rev- If you like this episode, please go to. I- if you liked this episode, please go to iTunes and review. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a review on my podcast. We are always trying to learn, grow, and become better at everything that we do. And remember to sign up for the Yes, Ann Challenge on my website at petermargaritas.com. Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. I really value every audience member. In Episode 5, I interview Carl Aurix. Who's a consultant and business developer for Gregory Appel, a human resource professional, and a thought leader for the Business Learning Institute? I hope you join me in episode five because it is a really, really interesting interview.